Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's up, Junkie Nation, Gorgeous George and Goes? Reporting for duty here on a Thursday morning. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. Got some breaking news here to discuss. And a couple interviews. Jared Gordon will join us. This is a pre-record from the radio row run that we had when the UFC was in town and they had their fight expo and then we also have andre protoski former tough veteran he's got a fight coming up in boston we'll talk to him as well buckle up it's mma junkie radio on a thursday july 20th So this one paid off goes a lot of times we'll do the Wednesday night show for your Thursday morning delivery, kind of getting a little bit of a jump just in case, you know, I think in the podcast world, most podcasts come out earlier in the week. And then as you get to the later, the latter parts of the week, there's less and less. And the reason is because less people consume them. But, you know, this is a... 24 hours for anything can happen. I mean, you wake up and all of a sudden, at least our team, you know, we have a worldwide team, I guess, different time zones, different countries. <laughs> you just get the heck shocked out of you all the time. So this is what happened yesterday, folks, really, really late. Uh, UFC 294 kind of got some official fights. And a few of the other cards got uh, sort, you know, they, they got a little bit of a shuffle. So here we go. This is UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi. Islam Makashev will defend against Charles Oliveira. It sounds like the main, uh, sorry, Komen event will be Paulo Costa versus Hamzat Shemaev. And then Nasruddin Imavov will fight Ikram Ali Skurov. All right, so let's start at the top. Islam Makashev versus Charles Oliveira. I mean, I'm not shocked, goes because when the UFC needs you, they need you. When we saw Charles Oliveira and talked to him at the fight expo, he just didn't sound like he wanted to do it. He was like, nah, that's where I went and fought, and I guess he lost. I mean, you know, maybe that's the thing. I don't want to go back to where I lost, his home turf, his home turf a little bit. And he wanted to fight a fight night in Brazil. So we told him in in as nice as way as possible, who that's a fight night. I mean, the UFC just kind of doesn't do that. Now that said, Alexa Grasso and Shoshenko are fighting on a fight night on September 16th. They're trying something new. But either way, it's just very rare, especially with a big, big, big fight like Makashev versus Oliveira. He said, no, nah, man, let's just do it in November. Now, at the time, I wasn't thinking. I think it was early morning. But like Mike Bond po- pointed out on the spinning back click, it's just a couple of weeks after the one in October. So, like, what's the deal here? If you don't have something serious, 
you probably need to step up for that. You know, you you eliminated Benil Darius and Poirier versus Gagey. We don't know how those guys are going to come out of that. And then after that, it's a few steps down the ladder, I guess, for uh, Islam Makashev. Now, prior to this announcement, Makashev was like, hey, Leon, how about you and me in Abu Dhabi? And I thought, that's dumb. A, you just got the title and defended against the featherweight champ. So you didn't defend against the lightweight there. And B, Leon's got plenty of uh, you know, top contenders. A, Colby Covington. B, Bilal Muhammad. Anyway, start with the matchup. What do you think of it? Uh, do you think maybe they just had to add a couple zeros to Oliver's check to convince him to go down there? And, you know, was that pretty much the right call? I don't know. I think maybe what they did was they said, look, you got next, but it's got to be done this way right now. Or we can wait and see what happens with Gagey Poirier. And then we'll make a decision then. And that might have been enough to maybe scare him off. Maybe he just thought, you know what? I need to lock this up now and let, let's just do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't hate it. I just kind of found it a little found it weird for for those same reasons and then also on the ufc side like why not just wait and see all you got to do is wait another week and see what happens in that bmf uh you just never know right so i'm okay with it it's just uh different i i to me i think maybe they rush things because of what happened with with uh you know now Corey sanhagen doesn't have like whenever they have bad news they like to help you forget it with good news now i'm not saying it's a bad thing that's a good thing, but uh, I think maybe they they might have rushed it for those reasons too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So so Saeed, uh, what's his name? What what's Umar, that Nurmi's name? Umar Umar Nomar. No wait wait yeah Umar Nomarkamadoff is out of his matchup against Corey Sanhagen in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, yeah, that's that's definitely true. So that was some bad news, and this was some good news. Now, here's what concerns me about the Oliveira news. Not the harp on it. It's not like he's a personal friend of mine or anything like that. Um, but Oliveira almost painted this picture. Like, it just wasn't me. I wasn't into it. I lost. So I don't know if he just had a bad training camp or a bad mind frame going into this thing. And then he goes out and, you know, beats Benil Darius, right? But on that Saturday at the Fight Expo, which will be two weeks in about a day or so when we saw him, he was showing me the same body language of someone that's just not interested in fighting there. I don't know if it's if it was uh, that particular date in October or it was Abu Dhabi, but he was showing me the same thing, like, eh, you know, like, I, I don't know. I feel like we're going to almost get the same result. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe he'll get a fire in his belly. Who knows? And and I'm not advocating for, oh, it should have been in Brazil. No, it's, I'm not saying that. It's, I don't know. He was just showing me something like he just wasn't interested. So it must have been the money, but I'm hoping the fire in his belly is there. Because if he loses, goes to Makashev, he's not going to get a whiff of the title shot until Makashev's dethroned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also don't like, you know, anytime people ask him about the fight, uh, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, and I'll add on to it. He just says, like, I don't feel like I need to change anything. And I just think that's such a wrong mentality 
because uh, you're not you're not accounting for the fact that you you made mistakes. You need to fix something. You lost the fight, right? So you're right. Like his whole mentality just seems kind of a little off. I don't know if you were him. Would that play any factor and and just going to the same spot to do it? You think it's uh, you think he looks at it as bad luck or something? It's hard to say because he speaks so little English. There's not even one word. Um, his expressions are always the same. Like there wasn't anything that really told me, "Hey, dog, this is the real reason." But I think I just saw it as he wasn't too interested in fighting there. To tell you, to tell you the truth, Brazil to Abu Dhabi is. Look, I just know Brazil to Houston or Miami or to Atlanta is like 10 hours. And then from there, you got to go to another major airport in Abu Dhabi, which is probably another 10 hours. Now, unless he's on some private jet and he can just go Sao Paulo straight there. And maybe Sao Paulo does have flights straight there. Who knows? It just looks like a lot of flight time and a lot of... uh, uh, accumulate. Uh, sorry, uh, acclimating to the time change and probably the air, the food. Who knows? I, you know, I, I hear they're treated very well there, luxurious airports or sorry, hotels and everything. But it could just be the travel. I don't know. But he just it, it shocked me because um, he he almost sounded like he was willing to. I think we asked him this if he was willing to let just someone else take the spot. And, and he kind of said, like, yeah, yeah, and I'll get the winner, you know, which sounded a little unrealistic um, because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, like, you're not – I don't think you're guaranteed that next title shot. Look, I think Charles Oliveira is a great fighter. I think he's a proper former champion, exciting and everything. But I don't think he's, like, GSP or anything like that where all the doors are open. When, you know, you tell us what you want. I don't think it's like that. And I think he thinks he's there. Yeah, you can't count on those types of things. Very very few fighters can count on those types of things. Look at Michael Chandler. He's just sitting around. He has no idea what what's going to happen with him next. So you you definitely cannot just sit there and, and think that you have any leverage that you're calling any kind of shot like that. Yeah, no doubt. Now, the co-main event has Paulo Costa against Hamza Shemaev. I mean... Ain't no way I'm complaining about that. That's awesome. Now, Paulo Costa was supposed supposed to fight in a few weeks um, in Salt Lake City against uh, Ali Ali Skarov. Islam Ikram, sorry, Ali Skarov. So that fight's no longer happening, and now they're sending them to, because Ali Skarov's also on the same card, they're sending them to Abu Dhabi. Now, I think part of it is because they needed a co-main event, and so those are two big names, and that'll work. Nasruddin Imavov will now step in and fight Ikram Aliskarov. So uh, Imavov is the guy that just had that no contest with Chris Curtis. Remember, they were uh, kept clashing heads or whatever, and mm-hmm. Aliskarov was supposed to face Costa. So now Costa doesn't have to fight for another few months. The thing with Costa that always trips me out is is he going to make weight? Is he going to make weight? You know, is it, where is he at? That guy's so puzzling to me. He's pretty hilarious and controversial on social media. He always looks like he's in good shape, but you just never know, like, where, 
where he's at. I thought when he fought Luke Rockhold, he looked pretty damn good. And I thought I think, he was going to build off that. You know what I mean? But him and Hamza just have not been fighting much in the last few right. years. And it kind of sucks. I think he looks, to me, he looks less like, uh, you know, there's certain fighters you can just kind of tell in between camp. You're like, he's getting big. He's getting big. This time around, Paulo looks a little bit more dialed in than he has in the past. So that doesn't worry me too much. But the switch an opponent, uh, I mean, it just depends what Hamzat you get. You know, if you get Gilbert Burns Hamzat, where he's just kind of swinging away like a maniac, that's that's good for Paulo Costa. That's really, really good for him. If he comes out and tries to wrestle, that's going to be a different story for Paulo Costa, right? So I guess the fight is intriguing in the way that you, you honestly don't know what's going to happen so that that's what makes for a good fight so i'm down and they have you know considerable amount of heat so it, to me it's a little bit of a slam dunk of a fight I, I like it yeah for sure the fight itself is awesome um i don't see why paulo couldn't have fought in a few weeks and then also here but i think when the ufc needs you you use that leverage get a certain payday out of it and that's that and maybe paulo just felt like oh i'll be more ready then than i'm than i am now but who knows now for hamzad he hasn't fought since he beat kevin holland remember he was supposed supposed to face nate diaz and you remember that whole fiasco and then he wound up facing mm -hmm. kevin holland he beat kevin holland pretty easily because kevin holland wanted a high five before the fight and hamzad said oh thank you for the layup and you know basically Took him down from there and never let him recover. So, but it's it'll be over a year by the time he fights. As far as Paulo Costa's concerned, Paulo Costa in 2018, 19, 2020, 2021, and 2022 has only fought one time. And in 2023, I find it hard to believe he'll fight more than one time as, as well because that'll be late October. What's he going to do? Turn around and fight in November or December? I, I highly doubt that. So, him for sure, he just doesn't fight too often. And Paulo Costa, how can I tell you? He showed so much promise coming out of the ultimate fighter. He was undefeated. Him and Romero threw down in Anaheim, California. Then he had the dud against Izzy. He follows it up with a loss against Marvin Vittori. And then he beat Luke Rockhold, but obviously he caught Luke Rockhold um, past his prime. You know, that's not the guy that won Strike Force and UFC. That was years ago. But he looked good, you know, and, and he survived the three rounds and 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 he got the W, you know. But to, to now go a whole year and not build on that, bro, this sport can pass you up so quick. And I really thought Paulo Costa was going to be a champion one day. I don't understand because um, he kind of plays the role of one of them fighters that's just cashed a lot of big checks. So they could chill a little bit. And I don't know that he's really cashed that many big checks where he could just kind of comfortably chill off to the side and do whatever he wants. Like Colby Covington, I feel like has, has cashed some pretty decent checks. Mm -hmm. He can maybe, I get it, that he hasn't been around for a while and and all that. That that kind of makes sense to me. Big pay-per-view numbers, you know, against Masvidal, against Usman. But I don't know that Paulo Costa has made that much money to be just kind of chilling. Like, I feel like these are prime years for you to be out there cashing these checks, and he's just not. But And he doesn't seem the least bit bothered by it. 
a lot of these guys are going to get a harsh reality when they call it a career. I mean, if you get used to the lifestyle. I hate to always use the same example, but, you know, Damon Lillard goes, gets paid half a million for every game of basketball he plays. Mm-hmm. So he plays like 80 games a year. It's really 82, but I'm just going to use round numbers. And he gets paid like 40 million a game. Or sorry, 40 million a year. So basically he makes about half a million a game. Sometimes they play three games in one week. That's big money, folks. And he does it, and it's guaranteed. He could break his leg in training camp before the season starts, and he'll get paid the whole year, that, that money. And he's probably got a four-year contract, and he's so good, he'll probably be able to sign another lucrative. That's big money. A lot of these fighters will make 500000 You know, they'll do a couple of appearances, and then they'll take the whole year off like, yeah, he's right. You know, that type of money is not guaranteed in mixed martial arts, and you don't know when you're going to have the opportunity to do something like that again. So, I don't know. You know, you, that's why we see fighters in bare knuckle fighting. That's why we see fighters doing these thriller, you know, boxing events is because they're trying to make up for those types of things. You know, sometimes you have to wait until that hits you in the face and you pretend like, well, I didn't know. But plenty of fighters have gone through it where you should know. You know, if you're healthy, you should be going more than once a year, at minimum two times a year. Because this isn't a sport you're you're going to get filthy rich off. Um, the other day we heard Cowboy Cerrone is standing up there with his Bud Light. He actually made it sound like he made a billion dollars or something. He was bragging to the world that he made ten million dollars fighting for the UFC. I was happy for him. It sounds like ten million will be enough, and maybe he's marketable enough that these acting gigs or anything else will carry him through. God bless him, him, his family, and his ranch, all that. But uh, that, like I say, that $10 million for all those wars, again, I'm going to put him up against the same guy, against the guy who made four times as you did in one year. That's big money. That's a whole other conversation. I'm not going to get into it. But that's a whole other conversation about fighter compensation. Anyway. Well, but look um, at, look at, Look, if you want to compare something that maybe is a little easier, look at boxing. Look what fight. I mean, there's a lot of fighters that have made five times that in one fight. One yeah. fight. And this is your whole career, right? Francis. Francis is, they said eight million, but they're saying probably more like 10 plus his sponsors. But yeah, that's going to be that one boxing fight versus that whole career. Now, he probably saw fighting as fun. No big deal. You know, he probably likes getting punched. It's, it's, but there's still all those training camps and then all the repercussions. How's your body going to feel? You know, goes and I have been talking about seeing some of these athletes walking around, man. Don Fry, Mark Coleman, the Nogueras. <laughs> it's, you put yourself through a lot here. Um, so, again, I didn't mean, mean to turn it into fighter compensation. I just tend to... to blab but Hamzat and Costa big fight hopefully they can make something out of out of this you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah um all right so that's UFC 294 as far as the Tennessee card has there been an update goes has anyone been raising their hand as to who wants to 
sub in for Nurmaga Madoff to face Corey Sanhagen? Adrian Yanez literally raised his hand, but he yep. said he hasn't heard anything. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do there in that situation. So, Yanez is coming off a loss against um, Rob Font. But we saw him on Fight Week, and he, you could tell he wants to right that ship and get in there. Now, he realizes at the same time that he's coming off a loss, and he just might not have that kind of, you know, that kind of pull to just be jumping around into any fight. He could probably pick up a late, uh, a, a late fight. What do you call it? Late, late, late fight booking against someone else in the same boat. Someone ranked from 10 to 20, also coming off a loss. But stepping up against Corey Sandigan, I don't know if Corey Sandigan going to want that. Sometimes some fighters just want to fight. They want to pay off for that training camp. They want to get paid, so they they are willing to take it. I think Yanez would be an exciting fight for Corey Sandigan, but it's also a risky fight for Adrian Yanez. If he loses, that'd be two in a row. And, and Corey Sandhagen's pretty well-rounded. And if he's just coming off a, a camp and things are fluid, he's going to be tough to beat. But I would like to see I would like to see someone like that step up and get and just go for it, roll the dice. I think Corey Sandhagen it might be the one guy in the division that I wouldn't take a short notice because he's just so like you said, he's well rounded. He's awkward because he's such a big fighter too in the way he fights that I really do think you need to prepare for a guy like that. You have to bring somebody into your camp. That's kind of like that. Cheeto Vera, you know, when we were talking about that, you know, just an average sized dude. Um, I would take a chance there if I'm Adrian Yanez, but Corey Sanhagen, that might be a little bit too much of a mountain to climb. So I, I would probably respectfully step out of that situation. But that kid just wants to get in there and fight, and I get it. But that's an interesting situation, man. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do there. The rest of the card is Tatiana Suarez versus Jessica Andrade. And we've seen fights like that, like Holly Holm versus Myra Bueno Silva. I know Holm's super popular, but in terms of skill level and relevance to their division, if they just had lined a fight card, I could see them saying, you know what, we'll just go with uh, uh, Andrade versus Suarez. The only problem is I don't know that they're like I say, if they can carry a car, this is going to be in Nashville, Tennessee, with an audience. So they're trying to sell tickets. And uh, whereas the other ones at the Apex, I think they're a little bit more flexible at the Apex. So I I would imagine they're going to try and find someone for Corey Sanhagen late notice. Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Kyler Phillips. OSP versus Jan Kutilava. Damon Jackson versus Billy Quintil. It's not a bad card. O'Day Osborne's on that card. Jake Hadley's on that card. There's some, mm-hmm. you know, decent fighters there. But yeah, you gotta sell some tickets. So who's gonna face Corey Sanhagen? Sanhagen. That's the uh, that's the question. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if they just said, "Hey, this is your new main event." We sorry. I don't know. Maybe maybe you can grab something else and throw it on there. Uh, but as far as getting Corey Sanhagen an opponent, uh, to me, that's just an uphill climb. If you go through the Bantamweight rankings, Sterling 
Can't be him. He's the champ, and he's already mm-hmm. defending against, against O'Malley. Devalish really, he's hurt. O'Malley's facing Sterling. Peter, Peter Jan, I suppose, uh, is appealing as a former champion. Although somebody was calling on him recently. I think it was... It was Cejudo. It was Cejudo asking for Jan? I thought it was when Cejudo pulled out. Vera was asking for Jan. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if Peter Jan's available or not. And again, now he's in a precarious situation too because he's had some losses. So would he want to fight Corey Sanhagen on late notice? He beat him one time. So maybe he's feeling like, eh, this is uh, house money here. But that's three losses in a row. Devalashvili, O'Malley, and Sterling. Four would be horrific. But he does have a win against against Corey Sanhagen, so he might, like I say, he might be thinking this is uh, playing with house money. Mm-hmm. Um, Vera's got Munoz. Font has Song Yadong. And Ricky Simone's out there floating. Dominic Cruz looks like I, he's the type that seems like he needs preparation just because mm-hmm. he's a little bit older and tends to get you know hurt. But do you remember when we chatted with Jonathan Gutierrez over at the uh, the Expo? Yeah. yeah. I wonder if he would step up. He's kind of in that 15 to 20 range. Like, and we're running out of names here, you know? Yeah. But is that that much more of like a main event? You know what I mean? No, it's not. It's not, but it's a good opportunity for him. I think Yanez is more popular than Martinez. But Martinez has a streak going. Yanez is coming off a loss. Who knows? It's not my problem. That's in Tennessee. What are you going to do? Right? Mm-hmm. Over it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So 291, 291, just to reset. Poye versus Gagey. Blahovich versus Pajeda. Ferguson versus Bobby Green. Kiesa versus Holland. Steven Thompson versus Michelle Pajeda. Derek Lewis is on the card. The Salt Lake City card is set. The winner will get the belt placed on him by Jorge Mazadal. He is the current BMF. He's retired, but he's willing to put the belt on the next BMF. And then in Sydney, Australia, we do have some news uh, to talk about. But let's get to one of these interviews first. Let's do the interview that we uh, spoke about earlier that was done at the uh, Fight Expo. We'll be right back. Junkie Nation, the guests keep coming by. Jared Gordon joining us here. I think you're going to hang out with Bilal and the gang, right? We kind of stole you there. How you doing, Jared? Stole me away. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I like that you Rufus guys from back in the day still are tight. You know, you came to our studio once with Paul Felder. I know you and Bilal, you know, have been really cool and all that. Tell me, uh, the gym, is it still going? You know, up in Milwaukee, what, what's going on? I know... One of the pettis has moved to Vegas, so I just don't know what the latest is. Um, well, I had left about, I think, four years ago now, almost four years. So, I mean, Rufus Sport is obviously still there doing, yeah. doing their thing. Uh, well, my wife was living in Florida, so that was, like, the reason why I moved down there. Uh, now I'm at Killcliffe. 
with uh, Henry Hooked and uh, Jason Stroud and Greg Jones, coaches there, and uh, I love it. I love Florida. So, is there a rivalry with ATT uh, like back in the day, or you guys everybody pretty cool? Can you gym hop back and forth? No, I've never been to ATT, um, and I don't think there's really a rivalry anymore. It's not like it was back then when they fought each other on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, but I see ATT guys, and we're all we're, everyone's friends, man. I don't think it's you know. I think at this point, everybody knows it's a it's a business, you know. Do ATT guys train with you guys? No. So there is a, a dividing line in oh, that. Oh, for regard. sure. Yeah, yeah. The, there's okay. no cross training between our gyms. Yeah. It's amazing the way that gym's grown. And wow, I can't believe four years went by. I know Bilal is in the Middle East at times. He's in Chicago. So everybody kind of went their own way a little bit, it seems like. Yeah, Bilal trains uh, in Chicago full time with uh, Mike Valley Flow, who's Yair's uh, coach. Um, trains at Chicago Fight Team as well. And, yeah, he does go train with uh, Khabib and their team every now and then. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's mostly based out of Chicago, and he's doing great, obviously. So tell me something. I don't want to rain on a parade or nothing, but you just had an unfortunate string of luck in your last three fights. Different circumstances each time. A decision that a lot of people disagreed with. The collision of heads, I believe, and then the last one being a cancellation. What's your mindset now? Are you, have you shaken them off? Um, I feel like after the Santos fight, I, I was seeing some big days ahead of you. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's been a really weird time for me. And it's all things that I, are out of my control, you know. Uh, I thought I clearly won the Patty fight. I was beating Bobby Green, and then I got headbutt, so no contest. And then I was supposed to fight Jim Miller, and I, I said some things in the interview that, um, you know, led me to get pulled off the card. And um, I, I, I'm really bitter over it all, unfortunately. Uh, it's, it's, I can't shake it, to be, to be honest. And I just I think getting back in the win column is the only way that I'll feel better. Um, but like, you know, on the books yet, right? Nothing on the books yet, no. Um, it's been like, I don't know what's going on. I'm doing everything right. And I'm winning, but I'm still losing yeah. somehow. Um, and it's like, it's not like I'm going out there and I'm getting my ass kicked. And I'm just getting outclassed. Then I could be like, all right, well, I guess I just suck. But that's not the case. So it's just been things that are completely out of my control. And no, no, I, I have to accept the things I can't change. But it's like the hardest thing for me to do, especially because obviously I make a living doing this and I want to get further along in my career and climb the ladder. And in this last year, I, I haven't been able to do so. So it's really frustrating and it, it hurts a lot. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to deal with it to the best of my ability, but I've definitely had some really dark days in the last year, it's been, oh, wow. it's been rough. I'm well, sorry to hear that. And I guess first things first, um, we asked about a possible next booking. And following up on what happened, are you clear to at least take a fight booking? And, and like, could they already pin you on a, on a fight card somewhere? Yeah, I've been, I've been cleared by the neurologist. Um, the UFC knows. So 
I'm good to go and I'm training. I'm in shape. I'm in great shape. I'm just, I don't know what's, what's, what's going to come next and how long it's going to be. Um, I just started sparring again since the Bobby Green fight last week. It's my first week back to sparring. Uh, but like my head, I feel good. My body feels great. I felt good in sparring. Um, and I'm just, just waiting to hear what's next, I guess. Jared, so how do you handle a situation like that? Because you're right. In those fights, you did a lot of good things, and there was a lot of momentum built up in that. Um, for you, when you go back in the gym, is it a matter of just kind of maybe tweaking a couple things here, or do you feel like this whole process is clean, clean slate, start over? All right, so I mean, like the Patty fight, like maybe I could have done a little more. People were, were ragging on me for the last round of the fight because I was trying to take him down. Um, Meanwhile, the only round the judges gave me in that fight was the last round. The first two rounds, we were on the feet the whole time striking. So if I won that last round, then I clearly won at least one of the two first rounds. So um, maybe I could have went for the finish more. I don't know. The Bobby Green fight, I was winning, clearly. And then I got headbutt. So, like, what do I – I mean, yeah, I'm always looking to get better and to tweak things, but – as far as my performances go, I think that like I was doing the right things in both of those fights. So, uh, but yeah, I'm always looking to get better, obviously, and and I think I, I'm the best that I've ever been as a fighter. Technically, the way my body feels, I feel like I'm filling into a 155 a little more. So, I don't know what to do. I just my only option really is to just accept everything and, and keep going forward. That's all I ever done, and that's all I can do. Let God take the wheel and figure it out for me, you know. Because some, like I, unfortunately, I, I've chosen to live in um, in fear and in like self pity, just the way the year has gone. And I don't have to live in that fear if I choose not to. Um, so that's what I got to do: just go forward and like I always did. You, know, you mentioned dark days, and before we even started the interview, I was telling you about how some days where I have a dark day, and I kind of read one of your messages, and it just hits home. You're a very positive guy, an inspirational guy on social media. Who kind of lifts you up when you're having a bad day? Is there anybody in particular? I look to my wife a lot. I look to my friends and my parents and my brother. Uh, but, um, you know, my biggest thing for me is helping other people. Like, if I can help someone else, then it helps me, you know, I feel better about myself, so, uh, and God, I mean, you know, this point in my life, like, that's like, uh, my, that's my biggest thing, you know, it's relying on a power greater than myself to, uh, to, to keep me going, and that's all, that's, that's really, at some, at some points, that's all I can do. Jared, so if the UFC came back at you right now and said, all right, man, Let's get you a fight. What are you thinking? What's in your in your mind? What would you tell me? Man, I don't even know at this point, like, what happens. Like, they gave me a good name in Bobby Green after the party fight, and then that went the way it happened. I was beating him. If I got the W, I think I'm top 15. Um, obviously, I want to be in the top 15. That's the goal, right, is to climb the ladder. I don't know if they're going to give me something like that, but at least give me someone on the cusp of that of that uh, top 15 spot. So, I mean, I don't think I should be fighting guys behind me at this point. I think I should be fighting guys ahead of me. 
you know, I have 13 UFC fights. I think that I deserve it. At least I feel like I deserve it. So I don't know. I haven't thought about names. I haven't thought because I just don't feel like I'm in, even in that position to be asking for certain things. So it's been really, really weird and rough time for me. And I'm just trying to figure it out. Well, we're sorry that you're going through that. Um, let's just end with this. You fought at a top 10, top 15 level in those fights that you had bad luck in. So remember that. You're there. Your abilities are there. It's just an unfortunate string of luck, bad luck, right? And obviously knowing your past, you've been open about it. you mentioned God. I'm a Christian as well. Um, they say he doesn't put more in front of you that you can't handle, and you've obviously done that. So stay strong, brother. Thank you, guys. You're going to get a nice fight booking, and then those skills you've been showing us, you're going to put them on display, and I think a lot of great things are going to come your way, and not only this year, next year. So uh, hang in there, and uh, thank you as always for the time. It's always great to have you on the show. Like my brother said, you are very uplifting on social media, and, and the sports better with you in it. Appreciate so, uh, hopefully, you're a USC guy for a long time. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. We're back. Jared was pretty cool. Jared Gordon, yeah. You, boy, he was going through some ins and outs of just being still saddened by the turn of events, you know, the, the last few fights, how they worked out. You can tell every answer. He kind of took, like, a deep breath. And thought it out and then told you what was going on. But uh, yeah, he seemed a little bummed. Now he's had controversial loss. He's had a no contest. And then he's had getting pulled on fight week. <laughs> that's the shitty. You know what I mean? The worst. That's pretty much. And, and that's just, I mean, you know what? He almost was talking to us as a competitor. Let's not forget the money lost here. Yeah. That man, it's a huge, huge part of it. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so I teased it. Let's pay it off. UFC 293, It's this isn't official, folks, but it's starting to look this way because it's coming from the champ himself. Drikas Duplessis, or as Israel Adesanya refers to him, Drikas Duplessis, is claiming a sore foot, I guess, and he may not be ready to main event UFC 293 in Sydney, Australia on September 9th. And Sean Strickland may be getting uh, put in, called in from the bullpen. I mean, that makes sense to me. If if, if he can't go, um, that's just the route I think that you, could, that you have to go. It's unfortunate. But at the same time, we kind of, didn't we all kind of think that was going to happen? Like, somebody would really, really have to come out of their fight. Like, Duplessis would have to come out of his fight completely unscathed. Like, one-punch knockout or something. Uh, I don't know that, A, you're going to... Yeah, there's a part of me that thinks, like, maybe even his foot's not sore. Maybe he's just like, I just don't want to get right back in there in such an important fight like this in that time frame. I kind of get that a little bit. Yep. So... Look, far be it for us to say, oh, he's a faker. You know, he's bullshitting or whatever. We don't know this guy that well. None of them, honestly. Even the ones that we know close, still, we, we don't know everything about them. And 
I'm gonna I'm gonna read into this a little bit more. And I remember I said this one time, and because I don't get too many things right when I do, I like to pound my chest a little bit. But this has been a game of mental warfare. And yes, it has been trudging along the lines of decency and the accusations of racism and colonization and this and that or whatever. Things that, frankly, I'm not as worried about as others seem to be. So, look, again, I subscribed to DDP, saw an angle that was that he knew could push some buttons, but I also feel like he stayed behind the line and didn't cross it. He basically just said, I'm the real, whether he said real African or not, I don't even fucking care if he said real or not, because I'm not going to turn this into white or black. What he meant was, at least according to how I read it was, I just live in Africa. I'm I'm the African right now. I live there. You know what I mean? Like he's not mm-hmm. trying to say, oh, they were never born there or nothing like that. He's not trying to say that. He's just saying they were born there, but they don't live there anymore. I do. I'm the one that can bring the belt back. He's not saying none of those guys went back to Africa and showed the belt off. No, he's not saying that. He was just saying what he said. I, I wake up there. I train there. I live there. I'm the real African. But did he do it with the intention of getting a rise out of Izzy? Probably. Did he do it knowing that it could go down, you know, and, and maybe cause people to think that it could be a black and white thing or whatever? Probably also. I'm not going to give him that pass. That's what I think. But I don't know because I don't know. He might be a scholar and a gentleman, right? But he did it, and he also did it, I think, without without crossing that line. Now, Izzy seems to think he crossed it because he used the word real and this and that. or what. And, uh, sorry. I love Izzy. And you know what? I fucking hate saying that goes, I love Izzy. You know why I hate it? Because I hate it when others say it. Because it's almost like they're trying to, like, soften the blow in case they ever run into him by saying, I love this guy. But, look, I respect Israel Adesanya. I like covering Israel Adesanya. In fact, I think he's actually pretty cool there. There you go. If that all amounts to love, then fuck it or whatever. But he's wrong. I just think he's wrong here. All right? And I think when he came across and started doing N-bomb this, N-bomb that, or whatever, I think he misplayed his hand. And then when I see these videos of I manifested it, sorry, dude, I think you're, I think you're one step behind this guy. I think this guy's the one that's messing with you. All right? And here's what I think goes. I think he knew that he could be ready to go for Sydney. I mean, he finished Whitaker pretty quick. He might have that sore foot, and not too many people don't take a, a fight, especially a title fight, because of a sore foot. Look at the, the Jens Pulver story, for crying out loud, You know, he the, the, that he shared at the, at the Hall of Fame. I think he's doing it because at some point he knows he's going to get the title shot, but this is going to piss off Israel Adesanya, and it'll buy him a few months to just take on the winner. I feel like he's always a step ahead of Israel Adesanya. Yeah, he's basically saying, you thought you knew, but it's me that's actually kind of the marionette right now, right? I-, I could see that too. I-, I could be completely wrong on that too. I will say that. But to me, that's kind of what it looks like. If I were Israel Adesanya's best friend and I was in his ear, I'd be whispering that. He's trying to play you right now. Don't fall for this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think Israel, who's very sharp, he's very, very sharp, and he usually um, is the one one step ahead of others. I think before blowing up, so by the way, I think Jinkas Dupusi is pretty funny. But Dude, before blowing up what and saying what, huh? It was worse than that. That's not what he said. He said 
Dickless dupe. Dickless dupe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That shit was funny. But I think what I would have done is is that he could have thrown that in there and just said, well, it looks like Dickless Duplessis will not be ready to go. But Sydney, guess what? We did one even better. We got Sean Strickland without making it sound like he's upset, putting respect on Sean's name, uh, and then just kind of turning the page and fighting. But every time he's going to talk about that other guy, that other guy's going to think that he's in this guy's head. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he's kind of controlling the narrative, and he's he's the A-side or whatever. And when I'm ready, then, you know, I will fight Israel Adesanya. And, and I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's really such a sore foot that he can't even walk. Who knows? But I, I don't think so, man. I just think this guy is this guy's just a step ahead. Yeah, I think so, too. So now, with that said, folks, it's not official. That's just what Israel Adesanya said. So just like Charles Oliveira, oh, it looks like he's not ready to go in October in Abu Dhabi. And then a week later, guess what? It's, it's Oliveira versus Makachev. You know, stay tuned. Let's see if they lean on Drikas Duplessis to fly to Sydney, Australia and fight uh, Israel Adesanya. And if not, then I think Sean Strickland's earned it. Because he's seven and two as a middleweight. Actually, he's he is seven and two. But in that seven and two run, one of those fights was uh, as a light heavyweight. So mm-hmm. it was late notice or whatever. But regardless, um, he's coming off a win and he's put in his time. And that dude can sell. He can sell a fight. He's awkward. He's controversial. But I'm telling you, man, he's pretty. He's one of the best at that setting, especially in the uh, the setting goes of, of the um, press conference with people there. He can take it over. He can, and he's... I, I'm going to say he's getting worse and worse with it, but I think fans like it more and more because he's he's really trudging that line, you know, and I think he he knows he crossed it last time, you know, what he said about Dewey Cooper and Eric Nixick even came on spinning back click and talked a little bit about that. So I'm curious to see if he pulls back a little bit now or if he just kind of Sean Strickland doubles down again. I don't know. But you're right. He he can sell a fight. He can make you forget about records and, and win streaks and all that. At the end of the day, he makes it so that you just want to see somebody get punched out, whether it's him or the other guy. Uh, that is unique about him. But we'll see how much he dials that back after probably some of the heat that he got last time. He's kind of cocky and arrogant, but at the same time, he's humble. Because if you recall, it was Adesanya versus Cannonier, and it was Pajeda versus Strickland. And he kept saying, that's a big, scary Brazilian, man. I got to get in there with that guy. So he's giving Pajeda a ton of respect. But then when Israel Adesanya was saying something, I was like, ah, shut up. You're you're 0-3 against this guy. You know, and then the pearl necklaces and the nails. I mean, he just kept going and going, dude. That guy was like a... um, you know, like when you're trying to talk, but some guy's on a jackhammer like next door, no one can hear exactly. you. What the hell you're saying? And the jackhammer's just doing his thing, and that's what he was doing. He took that press conference over. Um, so he's he's just unique, is all I can say. Very controversial, but very unique in that regard. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. All right, let's get to our next guest, Andre Pertas. 
Petrovsky, excuse me. So I know we've kind of gone over some UFC 294 and 295 and 293 and 290 this and that. This guy, Petrovsky, is fighting at UFC 292. He's going to be fighting Gerald Mearshart. So two guys that really like to do damage on the ground will be mixing it up. What looks to be the prelims, I'm not sure. But uh, he's lucky, man. He's on a lot of pay-per-views, so the UFC must think something of him. Anyway, we'll be right back with Andre Petrovsky. going on junkie nation gorgeous george and goes are back we get to talk to andre Prochowski today who's got a big fight coming up against gerald mearshart at ufc 292 on august 19th my man here is nine and one four and oh in the ufc kicking butt first fight in 2023 how are you andre doing well doing well you fought twice in 2021 twice in 2022 and this is your first time in 2023, but we know you had another fight booked that uh, was canceled due to injury. Can you update us on your health? And can you shed light on what the injury was? It doesn't <clears throat> look like it was serious because you're fighting pretty soon here. Yeah, uh, I had a tear in my shoulder, my rotator cuff. Oh, shit. Um, it was less than 50% width, so it didn't require surgery. Uh, the UFC helped me out a lot. They got me set up with stem cells and PRP and all that recovery stuff. And um, I took like two months off from training and uh, yeah, it got better. It got better. I did a lot of rehab for it, but knock on wood, luckily so far it hasn't um, been re-irritated in this camp. That's simply amazing. Because um, I saw your Instagram where you're climbing up the ropes. Is yeah. that before the injury or after the injury? That was that was a, like it was like a year ago. Yeah, that was much before. Oh, okay. Sorry. So it's so you just oh, it is me. Okay, you know what threw me off? I, I'm thinking May of 2023. It was May of 2022. Yeah. So then that was a long time ago. I'm like wow, this guy either recovers fast or that did it because that's simply amazing how you did that. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, no, I think that was a year before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. It was just May of 2022. I wasn't looking. It may should have looked at the, the fact that we're in May of 2023. Well, um, what would you say the shoulder's at now? I mean, back to 100%. You can, you've done everything you wanted to in terms of, you know, hard sparring? Yeah, Um. I mean, I'm still, like, erroring on the side of caution. Like, I'm definitely training smarter now. Um, but I have been going hard. Like, we've been going really hard, um, at least when we when we are doing our sparring and our little glove sparring. So, I mean, knock on wood, it's been, it's been really good. I, I am super grateful that it hasn't been irritating me. Um, because that last camp that I was doing for the Petrosian fight that I pulled out of was just brutal. Like... I would go to practice, and by the after the morning practice, like it would be, just get so inflamed, and by, it would be throbbing so bad, I just couldn't train. Okay, so now with the stem cell and being smart, you're getting through it. You don't have pain, is what you're saying? Correct. That's good to hear. That could be a serious injury, so I'm glad you're managing it and not rushing it. And you still got one whole more month 
to go. But let's face it. I mean, you use your power, your strength, your wrestling, your grappling. I imagine the shoulders, you know, you, you, you need it to be tip top. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and that was a fight where um, I was definitely going to be looking to grapple him. And I just wasn't able to do like the grappling training for that fight. Mm-hmm. So now you got Gerald Mearshart and he likes to grapple too. I think I was looking at his last six wins. Guillot- uh, what is it? Guillotine or uh, rear naked choke. Um, he seems, you know, he seems to have his go-tos or whatever. You see yeah. something like that. Uh, did- Go ahead. He's got the most submissions in the history of the division. So um, that's something that excites me for mm-hmm. sure. That was originally why I had called him out um, two fights ago. Um, so I finally got it, and I'm I'm really just happy that I was able to get it after. You know, I felt really bad that I had pulled out of this fight, and I thought I was in a bad spot. But to be able – for the UFC to give me – a fight that I asked for coming off pulling out of a fight is I feel really lucky and I'm, I'm very excited about the opportunity. Well, you are a tough alum and you are four and in the UFC and nine and one is a great start to a career. So I think they see a lot of promise here when you see Mearshart, and I know you want to test your skills. What's the fine balance between ego and, you know, wanting to maybe best him in grappling because he's a grappling standout like yourself. Or maybe just being smart and saying, you know what, let's see what you got in the stand-up. We'll forego the the, the, the grappling. I mean, we're going to do it all, man. Like, even in my last fight, I spent significantly more time um, in the stand-up. So, um, I think that. I'm going to force him to shoot on me, which is going to be in my favor for sure. Yeah, it could very well happen. Um, I love the way your stand-up has definitely developed. And this guy's a veteran. He definitely can do it all as well. Um, Another thing I noticed is this is your third pay-per-view. So what do you find uh, to be maybe the cause of that? Do you... Has the UFC told you, hey, man, the fans just find you appealing? We're going to try and get you on these big cards? Because even the one that was canceled was a, was going to be a pay-per-view. But that's pretty – you know, a lot of fighters don't get on pay-per-views for a while. Yeah, and, and obviously that's the goal. We want as many eyes on my fights as possible. Um, so that that's certainly intended that way. Andre, I want to go back to uh... – Let's just leave it at that. What's that? What was that? I have good management. (laughs) Okay. I want to go back to the grappling a little bit because I've been noticing more and more that fighters in between fights are taking some of these grappling matches. And it seems to kind of not just physically, but mentally keep them sharp. Can you maybe describe a little bit your intensity, your feelings before a grappling match versus an MMA fight? And, and does that kind of work for you in that way? Yeah. I mean, the, the, it's just totally different as far as like the, it's like more relaxed. It's a more, um, it's like a more relaxed, more calm, uh, atmosphere or, you know, attitude towards it, but it's still a good way to make money. Um, and it's still like gets a little bit of that itch out, you know, like 
I only got to fight twice last year. So um, to be able to do a grappling match in between those fights keeps like that ring rust per se, um, keeps that away. I'm still like in the mindset of competition, which for me is huge. Like if I compete, the more comp, the more often I compete, the more comfortable I get. I get into a rhythm, and that's when I really start uh, racking up some wins. Racking up wins and finishes. Can you maybe share with us what it is about you that you feel that stands out, that you're able to continuously get these finishes the way you do? We talk to a lot of fighters. A lot of them sometimes get the win, and they're almost a little disappointed that they didn't get the finish. You can do this a lot. Like Your, your percentage is out of this world. I think I'm just in the cage, like a, a very greedy fighter, a greedy, uh, like athlete, like no matter how tired I am, um, like I still like want to finish, even if I know, like I can coast to like a safe victory, like it's not enough for me. Like it's never enough. Like I want to finish. I know. And I've, I've had that mindset towards training and, and towards competing for so long. Um, I just know that's, that's what. I like looking at my topology and I see finish. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to ask you this. Growing up where George and I grew up, we grew up in Orange County, California. We're in Vegas now. But, uh, you know, there's a long history in sports of Angels, Dodgers, you know, Lakers, Kings. There's so many different teams. And when you're when you're out there on the court and you're playing, you're emulating some of these guys that you're used to watching. You grew up in a town that just is known for a lot of gritty hard fighters can you maybe share is there any influences maybe from uh boxing and combat or even mixed martial arts which now has a longer history are are there any of these people that kind of influenced you in your game yeah for sure like when i was first coming up there was like three big names from our area uh timmy williams paul felder and eddie alvarez and uh they were like the only guys that I really knew from our area that made it to the UFC made it to the pinnacle of the sport. And, um, but they most of, and Eddie and Paul, they both left, you know, uh, Paul went to Milwaukee to Rufus sport and Eddie went down to Florida. So I think that like, for me, I have a lot of pride in the fact that I was part of this first group of fighters that decided to stay and build here at home. Like, And I think what you're seeing is for the first time, people from other countries, other states are coming to Philadelphia to pursue a career in MMA, where 10 years ago, that was unheard of. Everyone left Philadelphia if they wanted to be a professional martial artist. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought, isn't Joe Pfeiffer one of your your buddies, teammates? He is my teammate, yes. Was he able to share some some good knowledge in training camp, and has has he maybe replicated a little bit of Gerald Mersharp in uh, in in camp? Yeah, absolutely. Me me and Joe have been teammates since um, right right now. Even before we were on the team that we were with, now we were with Balance. So me and uh, Joe have been teammates since uh, since his first amateur fight. So he came to uh, MMA with that boxing background. His dad was the boxing coach for Eddie. And uh, he had, like, a, a boxing background, um, and I had the wrestling background. So um, we've always, like, collaborated a little bit. He's helped me with my boxing, and I've tried to help him with his wrestling. 
But yeah, as far as the Mearshart fight, um, he was actually the one that said to me, like, yo, I think Mearshart would be a good fight for you. And I was like, and that's when I started watching him. And I was like, wow, this dude has the most submission wins. So after the Maximoff fight, that's when I called him out. And then he ended up getting that fight that I wanted. Um, but nonetheless, like, it's still a fight that I want, you know? This one's kind of just a silly question, but I've seen you chopping these trees. You're standing on them. You're, you're chopping away. And, man, nobody's a natural. It's got to, like, take time for you to look that good. For me, I don't think I could ever get the past past the point of, am I about to chop my fucking foot off? When did you, like, was that pretty natural for you? Or do you do you ever fall off of that tree? Uh, no, I can't say that I ever did. No. But, oh, I, I, you know what? Now that you remind me, I should be more careful. <laughs> Glad we did this. <laughs> You know what was ridiculous in the movie Titanic when Rose has to use that axe to get the handcuffs off him? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah. And her practice swings were terrible. Nope. There, you know, the the ship was going down. I yeah. can't believe uh I can't believe she closed her eyes and nailed it. I don't know. You know <laughs> I never thought I'd have to use that reference, but yeah, it's speaking of of uh, outdoor activities, I just had to I don't know. I, I've been holding yeah, yeah, no. I, I, to be completely transparent, Titanic's one of my favorite movies. Just to be honest, is it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna laugh your ass off. Like, what's this? I like a about good uh, cruise ship romance. <laughs> what do you think of that whole thing with the Titan submersible? Were you following that? Were you kind of into the whole thing there? <clears throat> um, a little bit. Yeah. What? What? What's the? Uh, what's new on it? Did they? They found parts of it but they didn't find the people right let's just say they're down there with the the, the titanic as well unfortunately yeah. They, yeah. Um, so they went in one of those submersibles and it looks like what happened was it just imploded but they did this search for like four days before they realized okay this thing actually imploded like an hour and a half into the actual dive and um we were looking for it, thinking that they, because there were sounds in the ocean, yeah. they never found it. But the whole thing was based on them going down to see the Titanic. Would you ever get in one of those after hearing <clears throat> that news? I'm going to be honest. Like, I'm really comfortable on top of water. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I think I would get pretty claustrophobic, like, under the water. I think so, too. And yeah, I don't know how I fe would feel about that. It's two and a half miles, but then the other day I was thinking, wait a minute, I walk two and a half miles when I'm walking the dog in the morning, and so when I put it like that, I thought, okay, you're in that thing, you are underneath, you're, you're deep in the ocean where if something goes wrong, obviously you're, you're toast as, as evidence, but at the same time, for some reason I thought it was just way, way deeper. I mean, two miles, two and a half miles is pretty far, but as far as the claustrophobic thing, I don't know, maybe, maybe I could handle it, but... There's been a lot of successful dips. The director of the Titanic, James Cameron, he's actually been down there 33 times successfully and always came back up. So it's not like, you know. I mean, like I'm down for diving, but I don't want to be, like, contained in a submarine. No, I'm good on that. Yeah, I hear you, man. Hey, you <laughs> brought up topology earlier, and I looked it up. On topology, you're ranked, and this is all subjective, obviously. You're ranked Yay. number 34. 
Gerald is ranked number 24. And but it's interesting because I think it's about right. And do you feel it's about right? And if you beat him, now you're creeping on the top 20. Is that kind of where you saw yourself after your fifth fight in the UFC that you you know you'd be around here? Or did, did you expect to be higher? Or? Um I thought I would be higher, especially after the Maximov win. Um it just seems like I haven't climbed with any of my, my wins. Which I, I understand for the first two, neither of those guys were were ranked high at all. But for the Maximov fight, he was undefeated. And he had multiple wins in the division against guys that were, you know, in that 20 to 40 range. Um, and then Thurman had, had same, it was the same deal. He had wins too. So, but then there's other guys in the top 20 that are like, that have been knocked out over they have lost multiple fights but because they lost the top guys they stay up in the rankings yeah well this is going to be a fun fight you know and i think it's a good test for you he's been around you know a lot longer than you have but like i say you've just been making a good headway there since the ultimate fighter again undefeated since the ultimate fighter nine and one overall and then i noticed like like goes brought up You've been on the grappling circuit, pretty successful there, and all of your opponents were bigger than you. Yeah, my my last one was the first guy that was smaller than me. I did the OSP match. OSP was big. He was like, uh, they wanted to do it at two fifteen, and I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, what? This dude ain't making two fifteen. There's no way he's gonna cut weight for a grappling match. Because, like I said, like the the attitude is more relaxed. Like it's a much more. Um, it's not like as serious as a fight. Um, but, and then they call back like, Oh, he, they want him to do two twenty, and, and I was like, I don't care what weight it's at. Like, I really don't like, it doesn't matter to me. How far you, do you think you could take grappling? I, I, when fighting's over, I certainly want to pursue it. Like I, I love grappling and it, I wish I could spend more time like in the leg lock game so that I could really compete with these high level grapplers. Cause that's kind of what the grappling has turned into these days. Right. Uh, but grappling's always been my passion, man. I wrestled since I was four years old, three years old. So, um, it's always been my passion. There's just nothing, nothing gets the blood going like, uh, like an MMA fight. That's for sure. Right. Did you watch Abu Dhabi this past year? It was in Las Vegas. Did, did it pique your interest to watch the top grapplers in the world? You mean ADCCs? Yeah. Yeah, I was there. Oh, okay. What'd you think? Yeah, I was did, there. did you think you, you could be there one day with, with those top guys? Absolutely. Well, I, I went to the open division, um, which, yeah, absolutely. For the for the invitational, mm-hmm. um, I forget what they call that division, but yeah, I would love I think that rule set is perfect for me. It's perfect for a wrestler. Are you talking about you did like an absolute qualifier or something like that? Yeah, I would do it. Oh, okay. I wasn't cutting weight for uh for MMA. I could get bigger too. I called it Abu Dhabi, but I guess it's Abu Dhabi Combat Club. But yeah, ADCC in Las Vegas, and I guess they're coming back to Las Vegas. They hit a home run. That thing was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it was pretty. It's it's interesting you bring up leg locks because. I don't know if you remember, because this was probably 10 years ago, Husamar Paul Harris 
similar stature. Like, you know, you're really, really strong body, strong legs. And that guy could attack the legs for sure. Yeah. When I was first getting into MMA, I watched a lot of um, Bruce Samir Paul House. What was his fight name? Uh, Tokyo. Yeah. And it meant like tree stump was the nickname. Yeah. 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 No, he he had an incredible story. That's funny. I haven't heard that name in a long time. But he had an incredible story. He talked about, like, growing up on the dirt floors and no roof and this, that, and the other. Yeah. Well, if you follow yeah. those footsteps, just to make sure you let go of that leg lock. He had a little bit of a reputation. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But that dude was a savage, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting that we see we haven't had someone as successful at leg locks since him. I know you got an interview coming up here in a few minutes, but I'll tell you a quick story. Goes and I... We had a fun night watching uh, Paul Harris and Jake Shields grapple. Well, no, they were fighting MMA, actually. Um, and, I mean, it got dirty. Like, he was thumbing yeah. Jake in the eye. It, was, yeah. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't down our alley. But as that's happening, the Russians and the 209 from Stockton crew are fighting in the audience and then later on fought outside uh, in the Planet Hollywood Hotel. It was a crazy night, man. I don't know. I don't know if you ever heard of that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to f- remember what the connection is with the Russians, though. I'll tell you the connection. Habib was on our show, right, goes, and and he, we asked him, "Hey, is this thing going to spill over one day?" And sure enough, it spilled over a few days later. But just uh, for some reason, them he would beef a lot with the Diaz crew. The the yeah, uh, they were fighting in like there was a huge brawl in like the lobby of the arena. Right, I remember. Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, but that was probably the last time I saw Husamar Paharis complete that I remember. But he was pretty filthy that night because we actually got since we were media, they stuck us in a media row, we'll call it. But we were blocked by like a crane, a panel, I forget. And they realized it, so they said, "Come over here." And they actually sat us right on the apron. You would have thought we were judges. We were that close. Yeah. And so being that close and seeing him actually go in his eye, man, that was sickening. Uh, mm-hmm. Jake was pretty pissed off. I think that might that have been one of the UFC? last times. No, that was uh, PFL, but it was WSOF at the time. Okay, so what happened with him in the UFC? Did he fail? He failed for drugs, and then they caught him. I can't remember what ultimately. Or did they happened. caught him because he kept ripping people's legs? Yeah, he was. So you know, he was not letting go of taps. Sometimes yeah. the ref would have to get in there. I don't remember exactly why. Maybe it took a few losses or what, or maybe there was PDs. I can't remember. But eventually, when that was over, he moved over to WSOF. And we were really pumped up for that fight because, as you know, Jake's a great grappler too. Yeah. But, man, like this guy took it to another level. Um, Just like I said, seeing someone really thumb someone's eye. Uh, and that might have been the beginning of the end of the Steve Mazzagati as a referee as well. He already wasn't one of Dana White's favorites, and you, we don't see him much now. Now he's a timekeeper for the Nevada State Athletic Commission. But I don't know if you remember Steve Mazzagatti. He was a ref. He was the ref that night, I believe. And he just. Yeah, Dana loved him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Anyway, all right. Hey, man. Uh, great talking to you. Um, yeah, I see you guys. About I appreciate it. So much stuff, including Titanic. Never thought we'd get to that topic, but we got it all, Andre. <laughs> Good luck with the rest of your camp. Thanks for doing the MMA Junkie Radio Show. We'll talk to you soon, all right? I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Yeah, man, I didn't think we would. I, he didn't strike me as the type of guy that liked Titanic. Titanic seems like a love story, and Petrovsky's like, you know, this tough guy with the beard and all. He he sounds more to me. He looks more to me like 
uh, what was the movie with Lincoln Hawk? Over the top. Over the top. Like that's the one where he has a hundred quotes from. He loves that movie. He's seen it a hundred times. Hundred times, not Titanic. You know, I was wondering the other day how many people, like, what generate? Because see, in my generation, they found the Titanic. Right? It was in the news and all that. But I'm wondering how many people uh, of a newer generation don't even really like remember too much. Like maybe they read it in the book. Oh yeah, a ship went down or whatever. Because even the movie now is like close to uh, what 25 years old. 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting though. It's 25 years old, and it's a movie about a ship that went down. When it came out, it had gone down like 80 years before that. Mm-hmm. So it's way in the history books. I mean, this is terrible to make these comparisons, but I almost feel like maybe 9-11 sorry, is like that tragedy that I think generations for the next 50, 100 years will talk about, whether they make movies about it or not, the same mm-hmm. way as, you know, uh, I guess Titanic or something like that. I don't know. I'm just kind of making shit up, but um, you're right. There might be a lot of people that are like Titanic. What about it? Like, you know, so much, so much other stuff has gone on since then, but mm-hmm. um, like the movie, I think the movie brought it back to life and, and yes, finding it. And anyway, um, thank you to Andre Petrovsky for his time. So then let's clear up a few more things before we get out of here. Um, like I said, spinning back, like noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, Every Monday, if you go to MMAJunkie.com, all the links are there. We provide them on our social media, and you, it'll direct you to our YouTube page where you can catch, catch the show live. Now, there's a few things you can do to help us out. Subscribe. Hit the like when you see these videos, especially that one, because it's picking up a lot of traction, and we'd love to really blow it up. And if you hit that bell then you'll never forget because it'll always tell you when we're on live. So that's another heads up for you. Okay, that's one thing. Two, Goes and I will be hosting a watch-along on July 29th for UFC 291, headlined by Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gagey 2. This is for the BMF title. And um, Alex Pajeda versus Jan Bohovic. So Pajeda's moving up from middleweight to light heavyweight. And he's taking on the former champ in Blahovich. We thought this could be for the vacant light heavyweight title, but they've said no. And I think we haven't heard about it till now. Then with 11 days to go, I just doubt that they would do it now. But still, how do you not believe that the winner of that fight probably won't fight Yuri Prochaska for the undisputed title? That's just my yeah. opinion. But it's kind of a slam um, dunk. Yeah, you, ha- you yeah. have to drop down to another tier. After that, and it just doesn't make sense. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for that pay-per-view. One other thing. The Ultimate Fighter took place this past Tuesday night. Rico DiSulio DiSulio defeated uh, Hunter Azur. And so now Team McGregor has one semifinalist in the... uh, well, in the semifinals. So that's in the Bantamweight bracket, right? The lightweights are all Team McGregor. And 
sorry, Team Chandler. Team Chandler basically finished out the season seven to one. This is the only win that Team McGregor had. And boy, Conor McGregor was running around like they had just won the World Cup, but he was happy, dude. He was just he was getting his ass handed to him on this season by uh Michael Chandler. So they already came up with the brackets. Enrico Disculio will fight Brad Katona. Cody Gibson will fight Timur Valiev. Um, that is the bantamweight. As far as the lightweights go, go, are you aware of any brackets goes? Because I tried to look, and I'm not sure I see any brackets for those guys just yet. Um, think, but it looks like they were promoting Roosevelt Roberts versus Austin Hubbard, and I guess mm-hmm. that would leave Jason Knight versus Kurt Holobaugh. Yeah. The um, dude, you know, it was really making me. Have you seen the? I guess it is a meme or a, a, a gif of uh, Dana and Connor running, where they make it almost look like they're playing tag. Hmm. Oh my god, it's so funny. Because remember, you saw Connor, right? How he was running around the ring. Mm-hmm. Remember when Connor shoved uh, Chandler, mm-hmm. and Dana goes, "Get out of my way! Get out of my way!" And he starts to run towards the cage. So mm-hmm. they kind of merge them, and it almost looks like they're chasing each other, running around the ring, dude. Oh, send that hard. to me. That would probably be pretty funny. Yeah. Oh my god, people are so creative. But the the episode I did a our, our other show, the Triple G show. I did something on this yesterday, where I was kind of, you know, we're past that first part of the season, and you have to ask yourself, well, all right, has it been worth it? Has it been entertaining? And so far, it hasn't been bad. I, it almost has that same feeling of um, Volkanovski and Ortega were a little bit more entertaining for me than I thought they were going to be. This one I thought was going to be a little bit more entertaining, but because the the names of the coaches and the fact that they were going to fight each other were so big, it kind of kept me on the edge of my seat. But the fact that there's still nothing on the books for these two to fight has kind of taken away from it a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the fighters are starting to get in people's faces now. And um, you have to remember that what you guys see versus what actually happens is a little bit different. We hear stuff. And there's a lot of stuff that seems, I don't know if it's going to see the light of day or what, but it seemed pretty significant. And uh, hopefully that does. But yeah, that house was can it's starting to get a little chaotic you know the fighters the way they talk about each other now there's a little bit more bite behind it uh even the fighters are starting to come at connor a little bit connor's returning fire and then you have your moments you know where where i think they try and humanize Con- connor a little bit because he is personable and you know him him letting the guy get in the, the lamborghini and just you know sometimes just sitting there and drinking with the boys or whatever that stuff's interesting to me so overall, it hasn't been the worst season. It hasn't been the best season. Um, the little storyline of them getting a clean sweep was was interesting, right? Until they didn't. But we'll have to see now going forward. There's only one Connor guy left. And the question is, if he wins the whole thing, well, can you really shit on Connor? I don't know. Hey, does Hunter Campbell ever talk, by the way? <laughs> he just kind of... They just kind of put the camera on and he just kind of goes like this, right? Like He just uh, kind of laughs at everything Dana says. Dana will just say something and he'll just kind of look at him and smile and laugh and kind of that's it. But yeah, okay, everything you said, I'm on board. In fact, I was thinking about this last night because I was watching it. I still, 
actually genuinely like Conor McGregor so much because he's such a character. He's just walking around, right? And the guy goes, let me take the Lambo for a spin. He goes, you want to go? Let's go, you know? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, get in there. Let's go, like, hit it. I mean, he's so, like, appealing in that sense, charming in that sense, where, like, he just likes to have fun. But then they put the camera on him, and he's kind of reenacting, like, what happened. He's like, hey, man, for a moment there, I was kind of scared. What am I thinking here? Am I crazy? Have I lost it? I love that he was keeping it real, you know, and communicating that yeah. to us. God, I just wish some of the other stuff wasn't there, you know, like, just kind of be that fun-loving guy. Like, I'm watching Lionel Messi goes, and the re- the reception he's had in Miami is just amazing. And apparently he's going to play his first game tomorrow. But literally the guy went out shopping. People recognized him. He played ball. Hello, everyone. You know, and he's doing his thing. And I haven't heard too many stories about Lionel Messi being a an asshole or anything like that. He's just enjoying life, and he's figured it out. And McGregor has way more personality, at least it looks like to me, than Lionel Messi. But yet at the same time, he just seems to have these demons, man, whatever's out there that just, you know, gets him in so much trouble. It just sucks, and I wish he could get past them. But um, I don't know if you saw, but I, I, I saw on social media, it looked like there may have been some other sort of a run-in in Liverpool or something like that, and the security team had to get him out of a bar. Did you see that? Uh-uh. When that happened, either that or this was a long time ago, and I just maybe bid on it. But I think it was late last night. I was looking, and somebody had posted him leaving a bar in Liverpool, and apparently there had been something that had gone down. He was all kind of dressed up, looked like in a suit. His security team got him into one of those SUVs, and some kids are going Connor, Connor, but he just they kind of peeled out of there. Now it didn't look like a bloody situation or anything, but it seemed like there was an altercation. Hmm. No, I didn't see any of that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, congrats to Team Chandler, seven to one. Like I say, they'll dominate the semifinals. Somebody from Team Chandler is not only going to progress to the finals; someone's going to win it from Team Chandler. And then uh, in the bantamweights, they got with this Rico Disculio guy, they got a chance there for, um, you know, they have a twenty-five percent chance of somebody from Team McGregor winning that, winning that deal. So that's kind of a little bit of a recap. On Tough 28, and and have I enjoyed it? Yeah, I've watched every episode. Um, not all 60 minutes of every episode have been, oh my god, incredible television. No, not that, but um, somehow these two guys pulled us in. It was kind of funny because they just had that run in like two episodes ago, but then after they see Dana, you see the way they were walking down the hall, like, yeah, yeah, we should yeah. have done, this, done that. Like, my old pal, you know what I mean? And they were mm-hmm. just kind of having a good time, and that was that. So anyway, all right. And by the way, fucking finally seeing McGregor out of a suit. Like, seriously, okay. We You love the feeling of silk. We heard that 10 years ago. Like, just put on something normal. And this finally was just wearing a polo and a hat, and he was just a normal dude. You know what I mean? It, I, yeah. I, I would just think that uh, that's the way to go. But anyway, um, one last thing goes. UFC 295 is in November, November 11th. On November 12th, it'll be 30 years from UFC 1 in 1992, or 1993, excuse me. So that'll be the 30-year anniversary. So it's happening one day early, no big deal. Um, Madison Square Garden, John Jones versus uh, Stephen Miocic. But what we did hear 
is it looks like they might direct Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington to New York. So that's one hell of a one-two punch. Very but good. no Leon in Abu Dhabi, no Colby having to go to Abu Dhabi, no Leon versus Makashev. It looks like that's the rumor out there, but it looks like it might be pretty solid. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, one-two, that, that ain't bad. Uh, arguably, uh, either one can can stand on their own, you know, so uh, especially in, uh, I think if you go to a venue like the Garden, you got to have something big, and that that's pretty massive. It will be interesting to see John Jones around Colby Covington, though. Covington's talk shit on him. They used to wrestle at the same school. Uh, Were they roommates or something? Something like that, yeah. And Colby's always talk smack, so it'll be interesting to see how they operate on the dais because I think they'll probably have one of those press conferences and then keep them apart uh, at the hotel. Who knows? Some of these fighters that make pretty good money just, you know, they get their Airbnbs. But New York's just one of those towns where you really kind of have to go out of the city to, to, to do that. If you want, you mm-hmm. know, a, a luxurious spot, a luxurious space. But uh, at this point, I don't even think Jones cares anymore. Uh, folks, keep it locked on MMA junkie throughout the week. We got you covered, including our coverage of the UFC fight night, Aspinall versus Tabora at the O2 arena in London, England. Tom Aspinall is back after a year off from a serious injury. He faces Marcin Tabora. Molly McCann versus Julia Storyalenko, Nathaniel Wood versus Andre Feely, Andre Munoz versus Paul Craig. And of course, because of the time zone, you got to tune in on ESPN Plus early Saturday morning to start watching the prelims as they lead up to this this, uh, main event. So anyway. We'll, we're out of here. We'll see you all on Monday. You'll get your junkie radio show. And then don't forget Spinning Black Click, which is now uh, a podcast as well. You can download Spinning Black Podcast. Sorry, Spinning Black Click in Podcast Swarm. Everywhere you grab our show Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And uh, that's the deal going forward. You'll now get the audio version. I know some of you just podcast. So there you go. No YouTube for you. Anyway. Have a nice weekend. Go out and be a champion. We'll talk to you soon.